Wessex LMCs supporting you and your practice. Hello and welcome to everyone. Uh, We're recording Wessex LMC's podcast and the topic we're going to cover today is NHS uh, property services, so NHSPS. I'm Michelle Lombardi. I'm one of the directors of primary care at Wessex LMC's and I'd really like to introduce Adam Thompson from Primary Care Surveyors, who we've worked with for a number of years on various premises issues for practices with a number of these focusing on NHSPS. Thanks, Adam, for your time and welcome. Thank you, Michelle. I really appreciate the invitation to join you. No problem. Um, so it feels like we've been discussing issues around NHSPS forever, which we have been, and uh, really welcome your expertise on this topic. Um, over the last few years, NHSPS have been sending out settlement letters to practices, which in previous years have caused quite a considerable amount of concern. Usually these relate to the alleged debt owed in relation to services and facilities charges. And there has been a recent letter sent out to practices. Interestingly, we're hearing feedback from um, practices in our area that there seems to be different approaches being taken by the teams within NHSPS. And I'm just wondering, should practices be concerned about these new recent letters going out? I actually think these letters going out is probably the most positive step forward most flexible step forward you've had from NHSPS since they were formed in back in 2013. So hopefully it's the start of a, uh, a thawing of how to go about things and a proactive step forward. Okay, uh, that sounds really positive. And I think for the practices who are keen to move forward with a settlement, because actually it's quite difficult to recruit and the challenges that go with having a huge amount of debt hanging over the practice in relation to alleged debt in relation to these. Are there any areas you would suggest that practices need to consider when moving forward with a settlement? So, for example, should they be looking to get heads of terms or a lease in place first? You're right. It does take us right back to, to the very start of this, which, of course, actually predates NHSPS coming to be because many of the health centres are older than NHS Property Services and the practices have occupied the health centres since NHS Property Services was formed. So the occupations go back a long time, but never, you know, sorry, in the main, in the majority of instances, without a lease in place. And when it comes to a service charge, what the lease should state is, it should give a list of services that landlord is going to do, but also then list or detail how the landlord is going to charge the tenant for those services. Well, we haven't got that. So the whole area of service charges becomes grey. There's no absolute certainty about what the landlord can charge the tenant for. Conversely, there's no certainty from a tenant's point of view what we shouldn't be paying for. So answering you in a roundabout way, Michelle, I think it's the starting point is... uh, is to say, well, look, there is, there is, because there is at least, no party's got absolute certainty. So it's going to be a negotiated settlement, which is, I think, where the positive part of NHSPS, that new letter that's come out, is possibly acknowledges that very point. What I would say then is, if we are going to go into negotiated settlement, I wouldn't do it in isolation, or rather just that one step in isolation. I think we've got to link this forward to to securing what the occupation is going to be. So if we are going to have a lease, let's link this to agreeing the heads of terms for what the lease will be. Um, Because we've got to get, it's better for both parties, both the landlord and the tenant, if we have leases, and the lease to detail what the service charge is. Um, So you need to have a lease 
to detail what that is for both parties. And the starting point of that is the heads of terms. And for any practice to enter into a contract, a lease is a contract, we need to have commissioner, which is now the ICB, approval. And that doesn't happen overnight. That happens, the heads of terms have to be agreed between the, the landlord and HSPS and the tenant. Then those heads of terms submitted to the ICB and the ICB will then instruct the district valuer. The leading time of the district valuer anyway at the moment for all matters is about three to four months. So it's going to go through the ICB to the district valuer. So we're not going to have these leases in place, I don't think, for any less than a, 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 the shortest time frame will be a year from the heads of terms being agreed. So we don't. if we are going to pay this money, this negotiated settlement, then we need to have certainty about what the future is so we need to get the heads of terms agreed, but I think we've also got to be clear then what happens in that intervening period. So you may pay over tens, hundreds of thousands of pounds by this negotiated settlement and possibly create a bit of a problem between this paying that money and the lease being sorted. So we, we want to make sure that we've got some certainty as to what's being paid. We get that all contracted, so not just on the whim, not just an email, but actually have a proper contract to say why we're paying the money over and what for. Have that linked to the heads of terms for the new lease, the eventual lease to go through, but also then to have a, an agreement about what happens in the intervening period so that practices don't just create or practices aren't forced to have the same problem again. So I think what you're saying is that it needs to be in writing. It may be, so you'll have the, you'd have an agreement around the lease, but you'd have a separate agreement that's crystal clear, A, what you're, what's been agreed to settle the, the alleged debt, yes. to then agree how it's going to go forward in that intervening, in that interim period while you're negotiating the lease, and then how it will then move forward after the lease. So yes. everybody's really clear and there's no, there can be no, um, discussion from NHSPS around that? Absolutely, because when we were doing the heads of terms negotiations, and we were acting, my firm is, we're acting for quite a few uh, health centre occupiers, and we've had negotiations on the heads of terms for a lease. It's been fits and starts over, well, since 2013, even some of that before that with the, with the PCTs. But we've had fits and starts, and we seem to have a few of these in negotiation at the moment to try and get these heads of terms agreed. And when it gets to the matter of service charge, what I've put in the heads of terms uh, is that the heads, the service charge arrears or the alleged arrears, well, it's been a bit cheeky, I said to be waived. Um, NHSPS obviously, they've, their track changes, crossed that out and said the uh, alleged arrears to be paid. Okay, different positions, but actually saying more or less the same thing, which is it's got to be resolved. You can't go into the new lease with the alleged historic arrears still hanging over us. If we're going to move into or carry on occupying the premises under a new lease, we've got to have it from a clean slate. Start with a clean slate. So all those arrears will be dealt with one way or another. And then also we need to have some certainty about how those service charges can be calculated moving forward. So that this whole problem we've had since 2013 doesn't just start again and carry on accumulating in future. So what we've put in there for the heads of terms is that the first year service charge should be prior agreed, and then for it to then increase thereafter in line with inflation. 
Now, to be fair to NHS property services, they're going to say, well, if the service charge can only go up by rate of inflation, that doesn't give them uh, the opportunity to undertake bigger repairs. And what if a building does need a bigger repair? So we've got to have some flexibility around that. So if there is going to be a programme of capital expenditure, um, then perhaps that needs to be a, a side agreement, whatever it's going to be, so that, that can then be featured into a following year's service charge. But we've got, I think you touched on a point earlier, Michelle, is about the repairing terms in all this. We've got to be very clear about what we're taking on because NHSPS have viewed this until fairly recently that health centres are generically a commercial property and commercial property leases tend to be on what's called fully repairing and insuring terms, which means that all the cost of repairs inside and outside the building and all the grounds plus the cost of insuring the building can all be charged back to the tenant, either directly through the tenant doing those repairs themselves or indirectly through the landlord undertaking those repairs and charging it to the tenant via a service charge. My response to that is that the primary healthcare property market is slightly different. We're a subsector of the commercial property market, but most leases, not all leases, but most leases in the primary healthcare property market are on internal repairing terms only. So the tenants, the GP practice, is only responsible for repairing the interior of the area they use, not pay, not responsible for the outside or for the cost of insurance. So we need to make sure that when we do this service charge work, that we're not inadvertently walking towards a fully repairing lease with the landlord being able to charge the tenant for the outside and the structure through the service charge. When you look at the um, bills, the invoices that come through, it's quite interesting because that is something that has been included. So the external groundwork, all of that's on there. So actually, if practices get to a point where they've agreed that it's an internal only, the his the historic settlement needs to make sure that any charges relating to the external groundworks needs to be removed as well. So that's something that need that practice will need to be mindful of when negotiating the settlement. Absolutely. This is this is where I'm quite encouraged by these letters because in the heads of terms. Uh, we've had some fits and starts in this, as I say. NHSPS have uh, had agreed, indicated, perhaps it's better than agreed, that the new leases would be on internal repairing terms. But we're also but then saying, but in the meantime, you've got to pay it on a fully repairing basis. So we can, as landlord, charge you for the outside of the structure and, and so forth. We said, well, that doesn't seem fair because we don't think we paid for that when the PCT was the landlord. You've agreed we're not going to pay that when the new lease comes to be. So why should we pay for the fully repairing part since 2013 through to when the new lease comes to be? So it's, and I think that's part of the NHSPS, to be fair, inherited a bit of a, a challenge, maybe, because a lot of the PCTs didn't really run a service charge in great detail. And often the amounts being charged were, uh, probably with hindsight, were possibly too low. And then NHSPS have probably come in and arguably their service charges are too high. So we've gone from too low to too high. So the right answer is probably somewhere in between. And it's how we find that somewhere in between answer. And there's no absolute answer to that. It's going to have to be a negotiated settlement. And actually, it seems that NHSPS, most the ones that mostly 
that we're dealing with seem to want to um, negotiate a middle ground as opposed to saying full settlement. Having said that, we are hearing other um, approaches by NHSPS. So just so um, just to summarise that, so it feels like NHSPS are now keen to look potentially able to negotiate internal repairing only. Yes. The settlement in relation to that needs to be you need to be aware of that because they're including on their on their invoices each year external groundwork so that needs to be taken into <clears throat> taken into consideration yes. any settlement that's negotiated you need to have a side agreement that very clearly states what the past settlement is going to be what the interim settlement will be and what the payment going forward will be yes. looking at the inflationary increase so the first year will be agreed then looking at inflationary increase with a potential to have a side agreement should any planned work, say, for example, I'm thinking lifts, that's quite a big, boilers, et cetera, those kind of elements. Is that a fair summary of what you're suggesting, Adam? There is. And so what I've advised my clients is for those interviews, the years from 2013 onwards, um, to go back and look at your the amounts you paid when the PCT was the landlord, so that's up until the financial year 2012-2013, so possibly that year or three years building up to that year, looking at the average service charge over that period of time, and then from 2013 onwards, increase that amount by, well, up until this year, say 3% per annum. Obviously, this year, it might have to be more than 3%, might be 10%, whatever, but increase that by inflation. So at least you're being fair, you're paying something, and you're not just paying a fixed amount, you're paying an inflated amount, you are acknowledging inflation. And I think for those practices who have engaged, who are paying something, then I think the, the door is going to be more open to you for negotiations. I like to think that none of my clients are in the category of having not paid, but for any practices who are in the category of having not paid anything, you're probably going to be on a, in a tougher position. So just thinking about the uh, internal repairing versus fully repairing, the one area that we've been made aware of is that when the rent reimbursement is collected from practices by, and, um, or sent to NHSPS by practices, potentially if it's fully repairing, then there is a 5 to 7% addition that uh, is almost like a contingency fund to fund the external repair. However, most, if not all practices will be handing over the rent in full and therefore whatever the outcome. So if the negotiated position is going to be a fully repairing or internal, actually, no, if it's going to be internal, no, actually fully repairing, then we need to make sure the five to seven percent is then kept by the practice. It needs to be paid back. So if we are to end up, it's an interesting point there, Michelle, because if we do end up in a scenario of a fully repairing lease where the practice should be collecting between 5 and 7% of, of rent as a margin to cover the external repairs, we could potentially seek to link the service charge amount to that 5 to 7% of rent. So actually, there is possibly a way we could get the service charge or aspects of the service charge, but sort of the whole service charge paid by rent reimbursement. That's Adam. I took a long time to get to that, didn't I? <laughs> a little stumble. It was fine. <laughs> I think the other point that comes from that, 
Michelle, is the BMA court case. And I, I've read about half the verdict, and which was very, the first few pages and the first half was very interesting because where the judge made a very strong point was, well, actually, he said, I'm not going to get involved in splitting the hairs as to what's in the service charge. I'm just going to look, and whether it's service charge, estate charge, facilities management charges, I'm not going to go in that, into that detail. I'm just going to loosely refer to service charges. And the principle is you've occupied the building as a tenant, you've used services, you've used facilities, you've got to pay. You've got to pay something. And I think from that point of view, it's a very sensible verdict, it's a very sensible outcome. And the judge has implored parties, not just the parties to the court case, but party tenants of health centres to engage with the NHS property services to try to resolve this issue without litigation. He's also asked people not to wait for this litigation to be fixed, or to be resolved rather, concluded. If you think you can get to a negotiated settlement with your landlord in the meantime, then do so. So I think there's a lot of sense there. Um, and the, the point I would make to that is, perhaps I'm going to go against the judge now a bit, but the distinction between service charges, which I would say is paying for things like the roof repairs, wall repairs, wherever it might be, repairs the, the building or the grounds, compared to facilities management, which are the day-to-day -day consumables. So it might be the buildings on shared heating, shared electric. Um, they're the thing, maybe shared being empty and uh, cleaning the building. Those are the day-to-day -day consumables that would be in the facilities management charges. So practices in the main are consuming those services. So you're afraid you do have to pay for those. You might argue the amounts, but the principle is you will have to pay for what you have consumed. Absolutely. Um I think the other area that I just wanted to highlight is the um, management fees that NHSPS are applying to the reimbursable costs. And we've been made aware that actually currently we're not sure if they're being funded by commissioners um, and practices potentially might be picking that up. It is part of their invoicing. So we are going to raise that with the ICBs in our area that actually the reimbursable costs should include the management fee that NHS applies to those. So we will be picking that up with the ICBs in our area to make sure that that's happening. Yeah, a code of conduct for commercial property service charges as is issued by my professional body, the Royal Institution of Charter Surveyors. It is only a code of conduct, it's not legislation, um, but it does say in there that management agents' fees themselves can be up to 10% of the cost. Um, I think there are some instances where NHSPS have said they will waive that fee. Uh, so, but if you are being, uh, sorry, another point, to make it to raise or to emphasize is that if you are being paid any reimbursable sums by the CCG, please ensure those sums are paid over. Yeah, absolutely. Is there anything else we need to cover? I think that's all the message, all the key messages we wanted to, to share with uh, practices. No, anything else? I think we've covered everything, Adam. I think we have covered everything there. So uh, thank you. So, Thanks, Adam, for your time today. It's been really useful and we hope that um, practices find this podcast useful. Any, any queries, please do 
be in contact. We are about to send some information out to NHSPS practices, which you'll receive shortly. There is also uh, frequently asked questions that the BMA have produced in relation to the BMA case uh, with the five practices that we've recently become aware of, which we'll also be sharing uh, with this and it'll be available with the podcast. Thank you and um, hope you enjoy. Wessex LMCs, supporting you and your practice.